Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. The final aspect that we'll examine briefly and we conclude this chapter in the Prophet's biography which is his relationship with his grandchildren is the Prophet when it comes to Imam Hussein how the Prophet would remember Karbala. That in itself is a subheading which is extremely important. I will share with you Shia hadith and Sunni hadith just to gain a better understanding of how the Prophet interacted with the story of Karbala because today you'll find many Muslims attacking the followers of Ahlul Bayt that you've made this huge fuss about Karbala. Okay, we know Imam Hussein is Sayyid Shabab Ahlul Jannah, he's the grandson of the Prophet, he was unjustly killed, fine, but you guys make a huge fuss about it. My response to them, the Prophet is the first one who made a fuss about it, if that's how you want to call it. Let's look at some examples. So this is in our sources and then I'll mention Sunni sources. Al-Imam al-Baqir states, the Prophet had a habit, when Hussein would enter into his presence, he would snatch him. Why do you think the Imam uses the word snatch instead of carry? Because when you love something desperately, have you seen a child who's running, you snatch him because you love him so much? He says the Prophet would snatch him. And then he would tell Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib because Imam Hussein is running, right? He's a, he's a child, he's running. He would tell him, hold him, don't let him run away from you, I want him now. Then the Prophet would take Imam Hussein, he'd embrace him and then he would kiss him and he'd cry. Imam Hussein would look at his grandfather, he would tell him, Ya Abba, remember Imam Hussein would call his grandfather, my father, that's how close they were. Lima tabki, why do you cry? The Prophet says, I'm crying because I am kissing the place where the sword will cut your neck. Why would the Prophet say this to a young child? Think about that, this is a Prophet who's the peak of intellect. Normally you don't say things to a small child, but the Prophet has a purpose, he has a mission. He's making a dramatic point to all those Muslims who later will say, why do you make a fuss about Karbala? He told him, Ya Abba wa uqtal, I'll be killed. He tells him, yes by Allah, you, your father and your brother, you'll be massacred. He tells him, oh father, will our graves be uh, scattered, dispersed, not in one area? He says, yes, ya Bunay. Imam Hussein tells him, فَمَنْ يَزُورُنَا مِنْ Who from your nation, oh father, will visit our graves? The Prophet says, only those who are Siddiqeen, they have accepted the full Belief from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will visit our graves. Don't worry Hussein. Allah will send many believers to visit our graves. This is in our hadith. The second hadith is from Ibn Abbas. He says when the Prophet became very ill, this is in that illness in which he passed away in, he took Al-Imam Al-Hussein and he embraced him, he hugged him. And the Prophet as he was dying, imagine the scene, the Prophet is carrying Imam Hussein, he's, he's on his deathbed, 
he's hugging Imam Hussein and the Prophet says, Mali wala yazid. La barakallahu fi Allahumma al-ani Yazid. In those final the moments, the Prophet's dying, he says, what does Yazid have to do with us? May Allah curse Yazid. This is what, 60 years before Karbala. Yazid was not even born then. And then he would become unconscious, then he'd come back to his consciousness, he'd kiss Imam Hussein with tears on his eyes. He says, oh my grandson Hussein, on the day of judgment, I will stand against the one who's going to kill you. Imagine how passionate the Prophet felt about the story of Karbala. This next hadith is mentioned in Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Sunni work of hadith. And also the book Al-Mustadrak Al-Sahihain by Al-Hakim Al-Naysaburi, a prominent Sunni scholar. So Musnad Ahmad and Al-Mustadrak Al-Sahihain, they narrate this hadith. This hadith is narrated by Urwa from his aunt Aisha. So Aisha is the narrator here. She says, Hussein, the son of Ali, peace be upon him, he came to see the Prophet. He entered into the presence of the Prophet when the Prophet was receiving revelation in his room. So he went and he climbed the back of the Prophet. Jibreel said, Ya Muhammad, Oh Muhammad, your ummah will be tried a huge trial after you and they will kill this son of yours. Then Jibra'il, he took his hand, he extended his hand to Karbala and he brought a white um, amount of dust. He brought white dust from Karbala and he told the Prophet, here, your son will be killed on this dust in Karbala. Ismuhattaf, that's the other name for Karbala. Aisha says when Jibra'il left and the revelation was over, the Prophet came out holding the dust in his hand and he went to see his companions, Abu Bakr was there, Umar was there, Imam Ali was there, Hudayfa was there, Ammar was there, Abu Dhar was there and the Prophet was crying. They told him, Ya Rasulullah, what makes you cry? He said, Jibra'il just now informed me that my son Hussein will be killed in the land of Taf and he showed me the dust on which Hussein will fall and he'll be killed and he showed his companions. This is Sunni hadith narrated by Aisha. Now when they make all this fuss about Ashura and Karbala and the dust that we prostrate on, look at the Prophet's exceptional treatment of this story, 60 years before it happened. So who's the one who really instituted this whole um, ritual of mourning Imam Hussein, of dealing with the story of Karbala in an unusual way? Who started it? Isn't this the sunnah of the Prophet If the Prophet is doing this when Hussein is healthy before him, 60 years before it happened, what do you think the Prophet would have done if he was there on Karbala? You know, they tell you, why do you beat your chest? Why do you cry excessively? You don't think the Prophet would have done that when he's crying 60 years before it even happened? Another, Mufid, another hadith um, narrated by Ash-Shaykh al-Mufid, Umm Salama narrates this, the wife of the Prophet. She says, Kharaja Rasulullah, the Prophet once came out of his room 
and he looked horrified with dust on his hair. I told him, Ya Rasulullah, why do I see you in this state? What happened? He told me, right now Allah took me, Usriya bi. You know, we have the ascension. This would happen numerous times during the Prophet's life. Not just the ascension, the Isra to Jerusalem. This would happen numerous times in the Prophet's life. He told him, Sallam, just now Jibra'il took me to the land of Iraq, to a city called Karbala, to an area called Karbala. And he showed me where my grandson Hussein shall be slaughtered. And a group of the youth of my Ahlul Bayt will be slaughtered. And I over there would take the remnants of their blood in the soil. I was taking it. And I have now brought some with me. Um Salama says the Prophet handed me soil that was reddish in color, mixed with blood. He told me, Um Salama, keep this in a container. She says, I kept this in a container. When Hussein left for Iraq 60 years later, Um Salama was still alive. And remember, Imam Hussein kept the divine um, objects of the Prophet and the Imams with Um Salama. That's how much he trusted her. Because when they went to Karbala, Imam Zain al-Abidin was there in Karbala. He kept the uh, trust of Imama with Um Salama. Um Salama says, when Hussein went to Iraq, every single day I would look at this jar, this bottle of dust, until the 10th of Muharram. I woke up on the 10th of Muharram later that day, I looked at the jar, it turned into boiling blood. I knew on that day that Hussein had been martyred. Then days later the messenger came and told us what happened in Karbala. So we find that these traditions tell us the Prophet dealt with Imam Hussein exceptionally when it comes to what happened in Karbala. The last hadith I'll share with you and we conclude, this is in the book of Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Sunni work of hadith. He says that one of the companions of Imam Ali السلام, was traveling with him and basically they were on their way to Safin or yeah on their way to Safin. Safin is in Iraq, Safin is the battle that broke out between the camp of Imam Ali and Muawiyah. He says, we reached a place called Naynawa. Naynawa is another name for Karbala. He says, Ali ibn Abi Talib, when he reached the land of Naynawa, he looked at the horizon and he says, Isbir Aba Abdullah, Isbir Aba Abdullah, Isbir Aba Abdullah. Have patience, O Hussein. Aba Abdullah is the title of Imam Hussein. Bishat al-Furat, have patience while you're on the banks of the Euphrates. I told him, what are you talking about Ali ibn Abi Talib, what's going on? Imam Ali says according to this hadith which the Sunni scholar Ahmad ibn Hanbal narrates, he says, once I went to see the Prophet and I saw his eyes flowing with tears, overflowing with tears. I told him, Ya Nabi Allah, did somebody hurt you? Did somebody anger you? Why are you crying like that? He says, yes, I am dis deeply disturbed because Jibra'il just came to me now and he told me that Hussein shall be massacred at the banks of a river called Furat. Imam Ali says to the Prophet, see if they tell you, if they tell you the soil of Karbala, what's special about it? This is Sunni hadith, Ahmad ibn Hanbal is narrating it 
from Imam Ali from the Prophet. Imam Ali says to the Prophet, فَقَالَ هَلْ لَكَ إِلَىٰ أَنْ أُشِمَّكَ مِنْ تُرْبَتِهِ He told him, can I smell that dust of Nainawa of Karbala? He said, yes. So Jibra'il went and he got him a handful of the dust of Karbala and he showed it to the Prophet. When the Prophet smelled the dust of Karbala, he started to cry. So we find my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet doing the unusual when it comes to his grandson Hussein and the story of Karbala. Really, if you look at it, it's very unusual. Taking advantage of every opportunity to literally cry. Telling a three-year-old boy that you're going to get massacred. See, normally, psychologically, you don't do that. Why does the Prophet do this to Hussein? The Prophet is making it very clear that Hussein being massacred in Karbala, Imam Hussein's on the right path. And it's by the permission of Allah. Because you know today what some people are saying? Unfortunately, some people who claim to be following the Prophet. I usually avoid mentioning names, my dear brothers and sisters, but a few years ago, this lecture really disturbed me by Yasser al-Qadi. How many of you know Yasser al-Qadi? Famous Sunni speaker, scholar here in the US. He runs a seminary. I heard his, his he, he offered a series of uh, courses on the biography of the Prophet until he got to Imam Hussein. So he, he offered his analysis of the biography of Imam Hussein In his sermon, he clearly judged Imam Hussein and clearly stated to his audience that Hussein leaving Medina, going to Iraq was a big mistake. And top companions told him not to go and he still did go. He disobeyed them, he didn't care about their advice, he went and as a result of him going there, basically, basically, there was a huge fitna in the Muslim Ummah. How can you claim to be following this man who would do this? According to your own sources of hadith, with Hussein, yet claim that Hussein made a mistake by going to Karbala. Essentially, he's saying he deserved it? Like, no, he didn't say, to be fair to him, he didn't say he deserved it. But he said he made a mistake. He should not have gone. He should have listened to, basically, basically, he gave the impression Hussein didn't have experience. He's younger. He should have listened to higher ranking companions who were older in age, had more wisdom than him. You say this to Sayyid Shabab Ahlul Jannah? You know, Wallahi, when I heard that speech, I said one thing. I'm like, okay, you're saying Hussein made a mistake by going to Iraq. Okay, you say that. And in your own books, all of your scholars unanimously accept that Hussein is the master of the youth of paradise. I just made one comment. I told him, good luck trying to go into that paradise whose master is Hussein and you're accusing him of making a mistake. Good luck entering that paradise whose master you're accusing of uh, uh, not being wise and making a mistake. Good luck. That's all I said. This is today. In this century of information where you think people should use their intellect, this is how they evaluate Imam Hussein. You see why the Prophet did, did these dramatic things? So no, no Muslim on the day of judgment has an excuse. Oh Allah, I didn't know haram, I really didn't know. You didn't know, you were blind, you didn't read these hadiths. 60 years before the Prophet cries for Hussein, he 
embraces him, he loves him, he curses the, his killers. Does that sound like someone is making a mistake here? The prophet of God is going to treat a, a, a kid who's going to make a mistake, who's going to make fitna on earth, he's going to treat him like that? Wallah, this is an insult to Rasulullah. Wallah, this is an insult to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they only know. If you say Hussein made a mistake, you're accusing the Prophet of indecency. You're, you're, you're um, offending Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And I heard the Grand Mufti in Hijaz who died, the previous Mufti, they call him the Grand Mufti. I myself heard him on, on TV, on, on satellite TV, where he said Hussein, um, he rose against the legitimate ruler of his time and he should not have done that. He made a mistake. Unfortunately. So the Prophet is making a point when he treats Imam Hussein like it's not out of emotion. If you, if you see your three-year-old son and somebody tells you your three-year-old son is going to die one day, you tell your three-year-old son you're going to get massacred and I'm kissing you on the place where the sword is going to slit your throat. Who does that to his son? But the Prophet is being as dramatic as he can, so no Muslim in history has an excuse. He says, oh I didn't know the Prophet really loved Hussein that much, so I accused him of making a mistake. Had I known? No, 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 there's no excuse for them on the Day of Judgment. My dear brothers and sisters, the reality is non-Muslims, Christians, Jews, you name it, people who worship the sun and the moon as the hadith states, those who really are ignorant, they don't know any better, they're not stubborn with God and with the path of truth, believe me, they, they will be saved by the mercy of Allah. They have a chance at salvation, even if they're not Muslim. They're not stubborn with God's message had they seen it. But those who claim to be scholars, see they're not your average layman. Those who are scholars who have all this accessible to them, they're presenting a course on the biography of the Prophet, so you know all your sources, you're fluent in Arabic, you can see. Yet you have the audacity to come and openly accuse Imam Hussein of doing wrong, of making a mistake, of not listening to the senior companions. Shu say it's about what since when does Shay Sayyid Shabab al-Jannah have to listen to other companions? When he's the master of paradise. Since when does he have to get their advice? When he openly comes and accuses Imam Hussein of that, I don't know. These people, I'm, I'm not here to judge, but on the day of judgment, tough luck. Others, other non-Muslims have a better chance at being saved than these mentalities, unfortunately. That's very unfortunate, it's very unfortunate. So with that my dear brothers and sisters, we end the chapter on the Prophet's family life, specifically with his grandchildren and inshallah we'll continue examining other aspects of the biography of the Prophet.